You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Preseason analysis, a 53-man roster prediction, and more. It's all coming at you on this episode of Bear With Me. What's up, Bears fans, and welcome to Bear With Me, a Chicago Bears podcast hosted by yours truly, Robert Schmitz, on the Windy City Gridiron Podcasting Network. Now, normally this is a review and preview show where I review the game that just happened and preview the game coming up, but considering we're still in the preseason, I'm not ready to do that just yet. That said, the preseason does give us tons of opportunity to watch the depth players that may or may not contribute to this Chicago Bears season, whether on special teams or on offense or defense, so there is a lot to analyze. It just doesn't need the instant unpacking that an actual NFL game where the points matter might. But no worries, Bears fans. After taking the last week to figure out and finalize the format on how I was going to put together that 10 plays video that I put out for week one and am now working on for week two, I feel I've got a good handle on how to do both projects in a timely manner. So let's give it a shot this week and see how it goes. I'm happy to be back and podcasting with you. Now, considering that I'm covering the last two weeks, I think it might be most efficient for us if I just go through how I see the 53-man roster shaking out and we'll talk about the players that do and don't make the roster and why I see them that way. This, of course, will allow me to recap what I've been seeing from these guys throughout the last two games, as well as who I think you should be watching for over these last two preseason games, which, let's be honest, based on the game that just happened against the Giants, they can feel like kind of a slog. But after listening to the show today, you should have a good idea of who to keep your eye on, who not to keep your eye on, where these guys probably will end up in terms of their roles overall throughout the season, and which plays therefore matter more to watch them on. For instance, Sherrick McManus, he is a special team standout, so anything he does on the defense is gravy. Ryan Nall probably needs to be better at special teams than he does as a running back, but I'm getting ahead of myself. Let's dive into the 53-man roster prediction, and we'll go from there. So we'll start off, because we're going by position, of course, by talking about the quarterback. Now, it's probably not going to surprise anybody that I see just Trubisky and Chase Daniel making this team. It's no slight to Tyler Bray, but given the amount of talent the Bears have assembled inside of their team room, I think that they're going to be sending Tyler Bray back to the practice squad. I highly doubt that anybody's going to pick him up anytime soon. Sorry, Tyler, your performances in the preseason just haven't been all that impressive, and that we'll roll with two quarterbacks to start the season and ideally to end the season. Now, I know that there are some people that are pretty disappointed with Chase Daniels' recent performance, and to that I say, remember, we won an NFL football game with him last year in Detroit. That's really good. I mean, 
I'm personally pretty impressed with that, considering that plenty of the backups that I've seen play for the Bears over the years consistently lose games. Almost every single time when a backup quarterback plays, you would consider that game a loss, unless, of course, the Bears are playing Miami and then Brock Osweiler beats us, but we're not going to get into that. Chase Daniel knows this offense. He apparently, from everything I've ever heard, continues to be a mentor to Trubisky, which is great. And debatably more important than anything, Matt Nagy likes him. And there's no better vote of confidence you can get than that. Some Bears fans may disagree, and you're more than welcome to disagree, but I personally think that the value you get in a veteran backup is well worth the $5 million we're paying him, and I'm fine with those two quarterbacks going into the year. Now at running back, and this may surprise some that have heard the show before, where I commonly talk about Cordero Patterson as if he will be the fourth running back, but I think that Kareth White may have played his way onto the roster over the last two years, or at least made his speed hard to cut outright. That leaves me with the common four-man running back room that most have been preaching for a while now, but I gotta be honest, this is the first time I've thought all four, David Montgomery, Mike Davis, Tariq Cohen, and Kareth White, would actually make the team. Now, we need to see a little bit more from Kareth White. As EJ Snyder would tell you, he's a guy who is really, really fast, especially at his top speed, but struggles to get to that top speed and lacks the wiggle and movement to be able to create holes at the NFL level but hey, speed kills, and having more of it is a positive, especially in any situation where you might want to train the guy who could theoretically take over Cordero Patterson's role at kick returner potentially next year if we were to cut Cordero Patterson. He just looks like somebody that would be worth keeping around, and in my opinion, when it comes to the decision on whether to cut somebody or to keep them on your roster, the first question you should ask yourself is a very, very simple one. If I cut this guy, is somebody else going to take him? And at this point, Kareth White looks like he very well may be a player that somebody else would take. If that's the case, I would rather keep him than somebody like, drumroll please, Marvin Hall, who as we move into the wide receiver room is the odd man out, in my opinion, in a wide receiver room where we would keep six guys, Gabriel, Patterson, Robinson, Wims, Ridley, and Miller. Now, I have personally thought that Nagy's going to use Patterson more as a running back, and heck, he may. I don't own a crystal ball. I do not claim to see the future, and Matt Nagy may very well be holding back all of the Cordero Patterson running back looks until the season to try to keep people's eyes off of him as a potential running back threat. If he was, that might bump White off the roster. But if he stays as a wide receiver, that leaves us with six very good receivers again, Gabriel, Patterson, Robinson, Wims, Ridley, and Anthony Miller, and I'm personally comfortable with those six. If we were to add a seventh guy like Marvin Hall, it would be because of the special teams value. And when originally I told you that I thought Marvin Hall would make this team due to his special teams prowess, I assumed, like many probably did, that he would be somebody like Josh Bellamy who could chip in on special teams with tackles, namely. So blocking, gunning ability, making tackles, just like Josh Bellamy used to. Well, as we've seen throughout the preseason, Marvin Hall is a return man, and he's not near the return man that Tariq Cohen, Kareth White, or Cordero Patterson are. 
And honestly, the fact that I just grouped Kareth White in with Cordero Patterson and Tariq Cohen is a joke. White is not at that point yet, considering that Patterson and Cohen might be two of the best returners at their positions in the NFL, which is kind of wild to think that the Bears have those two weapons. That's exactly what you want out of a championship team. We all saw it in 2006. Some A team that's able to make noise in more than one way, and especially if you're able to make noise off those returns, that's a very good thing. But Hall plays that returner position. He doesn't block, he doesn't really tackle, and if he does, I certainly haven't seen him out on those tackling teams making plays. You see much more of Duke Shelley, uh, DeAndre Houston Carson, Ian Bunting, Kylie Fitz, believe it or not. There are a lot of guys out there on those special team snaps. Clifton Duck's another one, but they're not Marvin Hall. So if Marvin Hall would just be the seventh wide receiver, I personally think that the Bears can live without him. The six that we have are very, very, very good players and if anything I would debate that Patterson's the weak link in that group as a wide receiver explicitly considering that based on what I've seen he's not near the route runner that we have in Ridley, Wims, or Miller and obviously that leaves Gabriel and Robinson who are clearly the top two receivers at this moment. Miller may take that number two role. I certainly hope he takes that role but as it stands now, we have Gabriel and Robinson as the top two. Wims, Ridley, Miller, all very, very good number three receivers in their own right. Certainly, it won't surprise me if Javon Wims, who has had a heck of a preseason and a really thrilling training camp, may rise up and take more snaps away from, well, whoever he can. Because, again, with Robinson, Gabriel, and Miller in front of him, you've got three stalwart receivers that if nobody gets hurt, he's going to have to earn every single snap he gets to take it away from one of those guys because they're all really good and trustworthy. I like this wide receiver room. You have weapons all over the place. You've got speedy guys like Gabriel and Patterson, who is wickedly fast. I mean, if you really think about it, Kareth White can only hope to be as good as Patterson in that kick returner role because, I mean, Patterson is just great at it. He's big. He's got that hard jump cut that usually is able to create space with one tackler often, and then he can turn on the Jets and just, you know, disappear all the way down the field for a touchdown. You've got two great route running big guys like Allen Robinson and Javon Wims, who, while I'm not ready to put Javon Wims in Allen Robinson's category yet, obviously, they are of the same mold, and that means if something does happen to Robinson, whose health can sometimes fail him, we do have a decent backup in Wims, and I think that's a positive. And then, of course, you've got route-running technicians like Riley Ridley and Anthony Miller, who, while they're not directly the same player by any stretch of the imagination, they're both extraordinarily competitive, run routes crisply, and gain separation, and catch the ball well to where Mitch Trubisky, should anything happen to any of the receivers above, can trust them. I also won't be surprised if we'll see a lot more Tariq Cohen in the slot and split out wide because the guy is an animal and you'd better believe that Matt Nagy's going to use him wherever he can. And with more true-to-form running backs like David Montgomery and Mike Davis in that running back room, Cohen's got more flexibility to flex over to the wide receiver position, just like, I guess, Cordero Patterson has that flexibility to flex over to the running back position. And now I'm going to stop saying the word flex because I said it a couple times. But let's move on. We've got the wide receivers, running backs, and quarterbacks nailed down, and let's get into offensive line. So if it's me calling it, I think that we're going to have the obvious starting five, Leno, Massey, Daniels, Long, and Whitehair, and then our backup linemen, we'll keep three of them, will be Ted Larson, 
Alex Bars, and at the moment I've got Rashawn Coward, but we'll have to see how his elbow resolves itself. To my understanding, the injury isn't particularly significant, and so my guess is when it comes down to Rashad Coward or Cornelius Lucas, Harry Highstand will go with the guy who he's coached for longer. That would be Coward. Now, Coward nor Lucas has had a particularly good preseason, so we could see that swing tackle come in from somewhere else around the NFL when those 53-man roster cutdowns start to happen and other people come available, because I tend to doubt that the Bears have been overwhelmingly happy with their backup tackle performance. But I will remind you, Bears fans, offensive linemen don't grow on trees. Just like quarterbacks, NFL teams often don't have five good linemen, let alone a backup tackle that's also starter caliber. At this point, I'm thinking the Bears go with eight linemen. That's two interior backup linemen and one tackle backup. So whether it's Coward or somebody else around the NFL, or heck, even if it's Cornelius Lucas, I won't be surprised at this point because this is a position that I've got as a total toss-up. If you put a gun to my head, I think it's going to be Coward again because of that extra time he's been coached by Harry Highstand. But I'm not going out and putting any money on it because truth be told, I'm just not confident. But now let's move on to one of my favorite offensive positions to talk about right now, and that's the tight end position. And it's my favorite to talk about because after Burton, Shaheen, and Broniker, who I think are as solid locks as you can get, Shaheen, truth be told, it's because of his draft status. Yes, it's partially because of what his physical profile is able to give the Bears, but it's also because he's a 2016 second-round pick, and you're not going to give up on that in the 2019 season. You're going to hope that his injury history will resolve itself and that he'll be able to turn in a nice career. Now, as you've heard me say before, I don't think that that's likely to happen, but the idea that they're going to boot him off the roster seems wild and crazy to me, so he's there. Burton obviously is the starting U tight end, and frankly, we need him in the route running ability that he's able to provide, so... I mean, he's as good of a lock as you're going to get as well. Broniker is one of the Bears' core special teamers. Last year, it was Sherrick McManus, Ben Broniker, and Josh Bellamy, who, in my opinion, were the leaders of our special teams, so you'd better believe that Ben Broniker, who got a nice little extension this offseason, is making this team. He's big, he's athletic, he can kind of play that backup U role, as well as, I, you know, honestly, I don't know how his blocking is, I haven't really watched it, but he's so good on special teams that you saw he was one of the some 30 odd bears that were held out with those starters that tells you all you need to know ben broniker is making this team but for any of you bears fans counting along you may have figured out that that leaves us with just three tight ends at a position that commonly has at minimum four guys with it so who's it gonna be is it gonna be ian bunting is it gonna be bradley soul is it gonna be dex raymond well, in my opinion, I think the Bears are going to keep both Ian Bunting and Bradley Soul on this roster, giving us an, albeit unusual, five tight ends on the final roster. And again, that seems more unusual in my opinion than it actually will be when you remember that tight end has a couple of different positions inside of the single position of tight end. You've got that U tight end, which we mentioned earlier, with people like Trey Burton, debatably Ben Broniker, and potentially even Ian bunting whereas you've got that Y tight end that's a little bit bigger that bunting could also play Sowell would certainly play think Dion Sims but you know a little bit better and then also you've got Adam Shaheen who fits into that role nicely now look 
I was not happy with Bradley Soule's performance in week two of the preseason. He gave up that horrible sack to Marcus Golden. He also had a false start, and he just generally didn't look like what I would have hoped for as an offensive tackle that is now a tight end. He didn't look rock solid on his blocks. It's still the preseason. Who knows? Maybe he's still figuring out his body. I know I would be if I suddenly lost 30, 40 pounds and continued to play professional football, which I've never played, but... I'm hoping that Sowell can stabilize his performance and bring a little bit more to the table than he has in these last two preseason weeks because while he did make the block that effectively broke open the path for David Montgomery on his touchdown, he's made as many mistakes as he has made good plays, and I'd like to see him stabilize that. In my opinion, a blocking tight end, a true-to-form blocking tight end like Sowell or theoretically what he could be, sounds invaluable to this Bears offense, and so I'm hoping that Sowell can step into that role because, as I mentioned before, I'm not confident at all that Adam Shaheen is going to be able to stay healthy, so I want to know who we can count on. If it's Sowell, that's great. I also think Ian Bunting has displayed too much to cut. Now, maybe that's just me being a fan. It very well could be, but he's displayed size, he's displayed speed, and he showed us in this last game that he can both contribute on special teams and step up his blocking, which seemed a little bit shoddy or reserved in that first week of the preseason, but for all we know, it was jitters. And I say that because on special teams, and of course the sack that ultimately Matt Nagy pinned on Chase Daniel, which I think is the correct call the more that I've watched it, and obviously Nagy knows better than I do, but Bunting seemed a little bit hesitant to block people as if he would wait for them to come to him, which I didn't personally love. Well, this last game, he went at his men just like you would expect and ultimately had a good game, even to the tune of three special teams tackles. I was excited to see him because, I mean, this guy had 45% of our passing yards in week one. He caught tons of balls, both short and long, and even broke tackles while doing it. Obviously, those came with mistakes, like the false start and the fumble that he had, but I'm very, very intrigued by the package that Ian Bunting is bringing to the table. He's a big guy. He's certainly, in my opinion, outplayed the kind of slow-footed Dex Raymond. So at this point, and especially if he goes on to have any more good games like he did in Week 1, especially through the air, I think he'll be hard to cut and not lose. That size and speed and receiving ability is coveted in the NFL right now. Just take a look at the damage that people like Kyle Rudolph, even Trey Burton, George Kittle, Travis Kelsey, Zach Ertz, none of these guys are exactly the same, but if you can find a stud tight end in the NFL, he does big-time damage to opposing defenses and their game plan, so if Bunting even has a shot at developing into that, other people are going to pick him up and find room on him on their roster. I personally think that with the special teams play that he was able to show off in this last game, he's worth keeping around, especially if he can actually make that starting special teams roster. Just jam him down there, let him develop, and if he gets the chance to show off in a game, great. And if he's really more of a project for 2020, 2021, also great. I wouldn't be surprised if the Bears spend a high draft pick on a tight end at some point in the 2020 draft, but if they could save it because they were that confident in UDFA Ian Bunting, that would just be even better. 
I will readily admit that I may be way out of my depth here talking this well about a UDFA tight end that's just tall and caught some passes in the preseason. But hey, at this point, that's about all I have to go on. He's one of the bright spots that has been on this team throughout the preseason. And I think you keep those bright spots around, especially when they're making plays in the first half and not the second half. We could go deeper into this, and I may go into it in my next 10 plays video, but there's a difference to me in making plays in that first half like Bunting has and having some big runs like Kareth White has in that second half. It's a different level of competition in that second half. It's way harder to replicate. And so in my opinion, Ian Bunting has a lot going for him. He has legitimate tools to be excited about. And I, for one, will be excited about them until he shows that there's no reason to keep him around. Now that's enough about the offense, let's get to the defense, which in many cases I certainly hope will be a little bit of a faster conversation because the defense, let's be honest, is way more top heavy. We know who the stars are, we know who's sticking around, and the guys who aren't, well, they're starting to write their own narratives in permanent marker. I mean, it's pretty clear. Let's talk first about interior defensive linemen. So I've got five guys, Hicks, Goldman, Roy Robertson-Harris, Nick Williams, and Bilal Nichols. And if you thought I was going to leave Bilal Nichols off, you're crazy. Hicks and Goldman are obviously studs at the interior defensive lineman position. Roy Robertson-Harris is a great situational pass rusher. Nick Williams is that solid backup nose tackle. Look, he's not Eddie Goldman, but who is? There's a reason Goldman is getting paid more than $10 million per year and Nichols, in my opinion, is the third starter. Now, obviously, the Bears play a whole lot of Nichols, so you see two interior defensive line starters, but if they went to that true 3-4 set, the first guy you see in is Nichols. He's kind of like the sixth man in a basketball team in that he's the first guy that comes off the bench due to the amount of nickel that we played last year, but Nichols is somebody who I'm looking for a big step forward, so much so that I made a 26-minute video about him that if you haven't checked out, you should. That is, without a doubt, the work that that I put the most time into. Now, there's a name that you may be noticing isn't on this list, and it's Jonathan Bullard. And that's partially because I just haven't seen anything from Jonathan Bullard this year in camp. Now, we saw that he could play the run pretty decently last year in the real regular season, you know, when the points mattered. And that's obviously a really, really important thing to see. But here in the preseason, he has not been able to stop a nosebleed. Now, we know that Roy Robertson-Harris is, let's be honest, a liability against the run. That's not news, especially given that he's actually able to create that mayhem against the pass that you want out of a situation situational pass rusher, but if Bullard's whole thing has been stopping the run, well then why hasn't he done it a little bit more? He fell on a fumble in this last week against the Giants, and good for him, that's a play, certainly, but he has pops like, say, James Vaughters has, and I mean it when I say that as I watched the game over yesterday, Nick Williams was the only interior defensive lineman that seemed to make any positive play at all against a Giants running attack that just ran the Bears' interior defensive lineman over. Trust me, this team needs health out of Goldman and Hicks. If you uh, can hear this, I'm knocking the wood on my desk as I say it because they are so much better against the run than anybody else the Bears have in their interior defensive line group. And as the Bears start to cut down and find their guys that they want, I won't be shocked if they just keep five this year. Certainly if they cut Jonathan Bullard, I don't think anybody wants him. So whether he goes then onto the practice squad or just sticks around until somebody gets hurt, we'll see. But it will not surprise me in the slightest if the Bears only keep 
five. Let's move on to outside linebacker now, as we've got obvious guys like Khalil Mack, do we even need to talk about that, Leonard Floyd, Aaron Lynch, and then the last two spots, because commonly you keep five outside linebackers, it will not shock me if we see Isaiah Irving, who's just sort of stuck around for pretty much his entire career, and Kylie Fitz. Now, I want James Vodders just as much as anybody else, and I really mean that. Outside linebacker is probably the position I'm most torn on, because Vodders has gone out and he's done everything you could ask for, which is to make plays. I haven't really seen phenomenal pass rush moves from him. Remember, that strip sack that he did have in week two came primarily because after he got chipped really, really hard, the offensive tackle overset himself and effectively allowed free access to the inside lane, which Vodders ran through and caused the strip sack. Now, he did cause a strip sack and picked the ball up, as well as later on in the game, creating the pressure off of, again, a naked bootleg, meaning he was not blocked. All he did was not bike the fake, attacked the quarterback, got his hand in his face, and caused enough pressure that the quarterback threw an interception that Clifton Duck was on the receiving end. Very acrobatic play, by the way. But... Ultimately, with Vodders, what I struggle with is that much like Kylie Fitz and Isaiah Irving, he hasn't actually created a ton of pressure against real blockers. He's just caught breaks and taken advantage of those chances. And while you want an opportunistic guy as an outside linebacker, I don't think that's what you want on your depth guy. You want a special teams player. And like it or not, and I say that because I I think I hate Kylie Fitz's outside linebacker play. He's gotten a lot of work in on special teams. Now again, that bums me out because I don't like Kylie Fitz as a player. I wish that the Bears had outside linebackers that were better, but then I remind myself that outside linebacker is a position so hot in the NFL right now that if there was any talent out there, it is on a different team already. There is no such thing, not really anymore, as a dumpster diving edge player. And so if Fitz and Irving can contribute on special teams, I know Irving has consistently made noise and caused pressure in his backup snaps whenever we actually play during the season so for that reason I respect him as outside linebacker number four if Fitz can continue to contribute on special teams it won't surprise me if he squeaks onto the team especially given that the sixth round pick was always considered a project and I tend to think that project picks like him and EA Booneyway who we'll get to in just a second get a little bit more time than some fans would like to give them we'll see I could be totally wrong there, and the bell could very well be tolling for Kylie Fitz as cuts come down to 53, but if it's my money right now, it won't shock me at all if Kylie Fitz is on the team. Now let's move to inside linebacker, where we obviously have Danny Trevathan and Roquan Smith, who much like Hicks and Goldman, are flat out so far above everybody else that they are the clear starters. And then I've got EA Booneyway, Woods, and KPL, Kevin Pierre-Lewis, making the team after him. Now that is going to potentially sound a little bit crazy to some people, especially given that that means that I am leaving off Nick Kwiatkowski, but the way that I see it, so EA Booneyway, I've got plenty of problems with. While he's fast and he does what other linebackers can't, which is actually cover really well. If you watch his game against the Giants, you can see multiple snaps where he's flat out locking his man down. My trouble with him is that he plays too high, meaning he keeps his shoulder 
shoulders too high up and doesn't get low enough as he tries to hit people that he ends up getting driven back consistently another four and a half yards. And I'm talking like on average, I guess, maybe three to four and a half yards. But either way, he gives up way more yards after contact than either Trevathan or Smith, especially Trevathan, who always shocks me with how low he can get as he sticks people and stuffs them from yardage altogether. If you want examples of that, feel free to search hashtag BWM breakdown and check out a Twitter thread I did on him way back when that I may very well be reviving in a Roquan Smith breakdown video that I want to work on going forward because Roquan looks like the guy and I'm ready to talk about him. That said, that let's continue to keep this focused on the depth players, where we'll talk about EA Booneyway, who again, plus coverage, minus everything else. Poor instincts leave him getting washed out of the play all the time. To my understanding, he's always been a smart guy, so it surprises me at how poorly he seems to control his gaps, but who knows, maybe he just needs another year of coaching, another year of learning by osmosis from a guy like Trevathan, and things will start to click for him. I have my doubts, but when you pick somebody like him who is a total project, even just a year ago in the fourth round, you're keeping him on your team for a little while. Kwiatkowski's had his time. He's shown that he can't cover, so it won't surprise me if the Bears cut him and save themselves the $2 million and employ two guys like Josh Woods and Kevin Pierre-Lewis. Kevin Pierre-Lewis, who is known for his special teams play, and while I haven't seen him out there, I'm looking for him. I think that the Bears value him a lot and that they want to give Kwiatkowski effective his last chance to earn his way onto the team, and it sure doesn't look like Kwiatkowski's doing that, so it won't surprise me if he bounces off. Josh Woods has impressed me. He's consistently around the ball in the first quarter, the second quarter, and the fourth quarter. The dude just likes to play. He's ferocious. He's not the greatest linebacker in the world. Don't get me wrong. I don't think he's amazingly fast. I don't know if he can cover at an NFL level, but from what I've seen in the preseason, he looks better than plenty of our other guys at inside linebacker, and you want that nice four or five, so it won't surprise me if we keep him around. Now let's move on to cornerback, where I've got Fuller, Amukamura, Screen, Shelley, and Tolliver. That's it. That's it. And I know that that's kind of wild to think about, but ride with me and this will make a lot more sense. While it might seem initially crazy that I'm leaving off guys like John Franklin III or Clifton Duck, I won't be surprised if those guys are able to slip to the practice squad and we can keep them there, as well as Steven Denmark, who... Whether he's actually hurt or not, he's either going to earn himself an IR designation or he's going to fall to the practice squad because there is no reason to keep him around. I hope that this guy who is so athletic can blossom into being an NFL corner or a strong safety, but at the moment it seems like injuries are holding him back or the Bears are just trying to stash him. I don't know. I saw him on day one in camp and have not seen him since, but again... Back to riding with me on cornerback, we've got Fuller and Amukamura, who are obviously outside starters. We have Buster Screen, who is both an inside nickel corner and has outside corner starting experience. We've got Kevin Tolliver, who is no doubt an outside corner backup. And then you've got Duke Shelley, who's currently getting reps at both. Now, those outside corner reps are obviously coming later in the preseason, around that third or fourth quarter, but he's getting those reps. And what this leaves you with, if you go with just these five is your clear and obvious starters Kyle Fuller and Prince Amukamura Buster Screen as your starting nickelback who from everything I've heard is fitting like a glove in Pagano's violent physical system Duke Shelley backing up Buster Screen Tolliver backing up the first two Fuller and Amukamura and also you get the added bonus that if 
anything happen and we needed a second backup corner, Screen can move over and then Shelly can take that nickel spot as the Bears would pluck either Franklin or Duck or potentially somebody else. But I think those two are in the lead off of the practice squad and back onto the team. Again, to reiterate, this means that you would have three starting corners, two outside and a nickel. That nickel can move over to play outside should he need to. You then also have an express nickel backup in Duke Shelley that can play outside if he needs to, and a guy who specifically is there to back up the outside in Kevin Tolliver. Given that Tolliver and Shelley are special team standouts so far, it won't surprise me if they can pick up that gunner role on punt coverage and kickoff pursuit, as well as blocking for the punt coverage teams on those outsides against the gunner they have both been very very active on special teams I think that they have the lead in that as does DeAndre Houston Carson we will talk about him in just a little bit but at this moment when it comes to Josh Bellamy who I bring up because he left a void on special teams that absolutely needs to be replaced I think that he is going to inevitably be replaced by Duke Shelley himself the sixth round pick out of Kansas State has been feisty on special teams He is in there all four quarters of the preseason. It is clear that the Bears like him. As I highlighted in last week's Plays of the Game video, he made multiple tackles where he'd be the first guy to the ball and then turn around and race his way back to make the tackle. I really, really, really like Duke Shelley, not only as a sticky corner with a lot of click and close ability, but also as a special teams warrior. I think he picks up that Josh Bellamy role and helps the Bears in their climb towards the Super Bowl, namely on special teams, because not on wood again hopefully those corners don't get hurt and this leaves us with the final position that we really want to talk about on the 53 which i think is going to be inhabited by five more guys because i'll go ahead and cut to the chase i think we're going to have one kicker one punter and one long snapper and We'll talk about that in a little bit, but that leaves us with the five safeties that I think are the obvious choices. Ha ha Clinton Dix, Eddie Jackson, Dion Bush, Sherrick McManus, and DeAndre Houston Carson. Now those last two, McManus and Houston Carson, those are interesting because I don't want to brush too far off of Clinton Dix, Eddie Jackson, and Deion Bush, but suffice to say, those guys are playing good football. Clinton Dix has been a starter his entire career. Eddie Jackson's one of the best safeties in the NFL, and Deion Bush fills that hitter role that I think Pagano wants, and more importantly, has displayed that he's a very solid backup option at either safety position, strong or free, but that leaves these other two, McManus and Houston. Houston Carson. Now, I've been outwardly critical, as outwardly critical as I can be, of the fact that I don't think DHC is near the defensive player that Bush is, let alone Jackson or Clinton Dix, but he is effective on special teams. He's clearly pretty quick, he clearly knows how to make a tackle, and he shows up a lot. And there's nobody that shows up more than Sherrick McManus on special teams, who is, in my opinion, almost invaluable. You could theoretically put him anywhere on this team I mean if you listed Sherrick McManus as a wide receiver I would think he would make it because it's not about him at wide receiver there's just no position called STA or special teams ace you have to put him somewhere and so I think McManus given that they feel as good as they do in the cornerback position not to mention from what I've seen in the preseason Chuck Pagano wants to play a little bit more single high safety than Vic Fangio did meaning that one safety will be deep like Eddie Jackson or HaHa Clinton-Dix, both great examples, and another safety will be up on the line, like Dion Bush or somebody like Sherrick McManus, who displayed last year that he was a pretty capable nickel corner. 
With all this in mind, I think McManus is as sure a lock as it gets when it comes to these bottom of the roster guys, and that it, there's plenty of other guys battling it out to actually make the team, not him. He is simply too good on special teams, much like Ben Broniker, and any reps that he's getting as a safety is purely to prepare him for the potential situation where he actually has to play safety in the NFL, and since he's changing positions, he's got to get those reps in. I personally think that this is a pretty sound 53-man roster. I would be very happy with it. Again, really the only major casualty that I can see is going to be potentially some of the offensive linemen, but you're usually running with eight to nine of those guys anyways. The major camp casualty that I personally see would be Marvin Hall with this roster because as good of a camp as he has had and all I've seen is that he's had a good camp, he certainly was wide open on that throw that Bray missed him with in this last preseason game, but the Bears wide receiver room is simply stacked and so I think that that very well could cost a guy like Hall who hasn't been all that much of a contributor on special teams, certainly as a tackler, more as a returner and again, we got a lot of returners. A lot of really good returners at that. I could easily see Hall falling off the roster to keep guys like Bunting, a potential project, EA Booneyway, who has obviously got a lot of work to do, and Sowell, who has a role he can fill if only he can grow into it on the roster. And that's about all I got for you Bears fans because the rest of the roster is a kicker who I don't necessarily think we have on the roster yet with Eddie Pinheiro, but that's a podcast for another time. The punter's obviously Pat O'Donnell and the long snapper's going to be Patrick Scales, so that completes our 53. As far as the practice squad goes, there are guys that I'd obviously want on it like Tyler Bray, and yeah, I know that's a little bit controversial, but you want the guy who actually knows your offense. Clifton Duck, who's a fighter, small and needs a little bit of work, but he's a fighter and he's fairly sticky. Franklin the third, who's obviously athletic and still needs time to figure out if he can actually contribute at the corner position. James Vauders, who has impressed me enough that I'd love to keep him around. And then there's other guys like Mustafer, Dex Raymond, and you know, guys like Jordan Williams Lambert that they flashed a little bit, but not a ton. So if anybody else around the league, because you know these teams like the Bears, have their scouts watching all the preseason tape that they possibly can of all the other guys that are going to end up being that, you know, awkward 55th guy on the roster that might get cut that they could try to stash on their practice squad. I won't be surprised if the Bears only keep maybe four or five from their actual camp. If it was me betting, I think that one of Duck and Franklin gets on the squad. Maybe both. We'll see. It's not that they'd get picked up. They just might like one more than the other. I think that Tyler Bray's obvious. James Vauders, again, would love to keep him, but hey, we'll see. Thank you guys so much for listening. If you enjoy listening to the show and want to hear more of my thoughts, feel free to check out either any of the videos that I have on YouTube where I'm planning on going even further in depth into last week's preseason game, going over 10 plays that really stuck out to me and a little bit more detail surrounding that. Or you can follow me on Twitter at Robert K. Schmitz. That's R-O-B-E-R-T-K-S-C-H-M-I-T-Z where I'm constantly tweeting out more thoughts about the Bears, whether that's about games that just happened, are going to happen, or anything in between. Keep an eye out for my latest installment of 10 Plays from the Game, and until next time, Bears fans, bear down, and thanks so much for bearing with me. Support for this show comes from Fundrise. Buy low, sell high. It's easy to say, hard to do. 
For example, high interest rates are crushing the real estate market right now. Demand is dropping and prices are falling, even for many of the best assets. It's no wonder the Fundrise flagship fund plans to go on a buying spree, expanding its billion-dollar real estate portfolio over the next few months. You can add the Fundrise flagship fund to your portfolio in just minutes and with as little as $10 by visiting Fundrise.com Fox. Carefully consider the investment objectives, risks, charges, and expenses of the Fundrise flagship fund before investing. This and other information can be found in the fund's prospectus at Fundrise.com flagship. This is a paid advertisement. More to-dos, less time, and an infinite number of tools to keep track of. Sometimes doing business has never felt harder, but you don't need a miracle to hit your goals. You can just use HubSpot because their all-in-one customer platform can make growing your business infinitely easier. Imagine this, high quality leads, fast closing deals, wildly happy customers, and more benchmark breaking quarters. It's not a miracle, it's HubSpot. Visit HubSpot.com to get started today.